This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 147. Thank you for listening. I'm so glad you're here today because we have a great show for you today. It's the great, mighty Eric Castro is our guest today, and uh, he is he's a badass. This is He's a partner at uh, Polite Provisions in San Diego, and he's a great uh, great bartender. I love his recipes. He's also involved with a Boilermaker here in New York. He and Cocktail Kingdom, uh, as I understand it, teamed up to, to put that bar together, and uh, he, he presents often at the Tales of the Cocktail and other conferences, and uh, he's a great guy. So, and we had a great, great talk, and great interview. So that's coming up for you. But first, I'm very excited to announce we have a brand new sponsor on the show. It's BevSpot, and it's software to manage your entire beverage system, everything from inventory to ordering. Uh, poor cost and lots of ways to analyze your usage and your sales and uh, basically they're in the business of making your bar run more efficiently and more profitably. So I had a talk with uh, co-founder and CEO Rory Crawford and he's going to tell us a bit about what it does and how it works. Hey Brian. Rory, how are you? Good, how are you? Great, great to meet you. Good to see you. Good to meet you too. I'm glad we uh, were able to uh, to set this up. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for connecting and allowing us to do this. We're, we're really excited. We spent some time looking through the publicly available information and you got, you seem like you're focused on doing a lot of stuff that the people that we work with are interested in, you know, making better beverage programs and being better bartenders, essentially. Oh, cool. Thanks. Well, it's all about uh, education here. Yeah. So I want to hear all about BevSpot. Yeah, absolutely. So we got started in March 2014. But before that, I was working out in California uh, a few years ago, and I started working on a side business, which was essentially a wine club application on your iPad that would select wines from all over the world, specifically based on your preferences, and then send them to you with a bunch of aggregated content, including tasting notes, description of varietal and region, and all of that information that's so critical about wine. Uh And that was the whole idea, was to educate, expose people to new types of wines, educate them about them, and then enable them to save all that information in an application that could travel with them Hmm. so that over time you'd have this great virtual database on your phone of ratings from you of wine that you've liked from France, Australia, all of these different places. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that was kind of my first foray into the industry, and I just found it incredibly difficult to keep on top of all of the numbers that were important for me. When I had paper invoices, and then I had physical inventories, I had order sheets that were coming in and phone call orders, and I just found it very, very difficult. So the idea for delivering a world-class web-based application that could help somebody managing a beverage program, right. whether it be in wine or spirits or anything, mm-hmm. have one central place to manage all of their information and access digital data. And on top of that digital data, really actionable insights about what's selling best and what's not selling best. All of the things that are a function of having one source of aggregated real-time information. Yeah, that's great. And I've been a food and beverage manager before and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a chore, man. And you got, you know, here you are doing inventory on a piece of paper and then you're putting that oh, into your, yeah. expe- ex- uh, your spreadsheet and then, you know, you're ordering, you know, on the phone and it's like, yeah. you know, has yeah. this system never been updated in the last 30 <laughs> years? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's what blew me away. You know, I was in this industry and, and my background was in technology. So technology, finance and investing. So I'd worked with companies like Facebook and Amazon and all these great companies. And then I got into this industry and I was just amazed 
I was like, is this really how I have to do it? Is this really yeah. how people do it? I know. And that was the whole idea for BevSpot. So fast forward about a, you know six months when I moved out to Boston, the whole idea of our company is to deliver world-class software. So industry-leading Facebook, Twitter, Amazon-like software to this industry, specifically built for it to help people within it you know, more easily complete inventories and orders and track data. But on top of that, access real-time information in a more intuitive and visual format to say, hey, these are my top 10 performing cocktails. How can I make a better cocktail program? What are my top, my bottom 10 performing cocktails? Mm -hmm. How do I access this information and manipulate it in a way that helps me be a better beverage manager and run a better uh, world-class beverage program? And that's what we're all about. So how do you do all that? I mean, how does it work? Yeah. So, you know, I think what we do is we take traditionally offline disparate tasks and I'll walk through our product specifically. We take all of that and we put it in your phone. So inventory, instead of pen and paper inventory, you now walk around with your mobile device, no matter what mobile device it is, completing physical inventory counts in a fraction of the time it would take you to do a pen and paper physical inventory so, count. So how does that work exactly? Do you, uh, the inventory is uh, the thorn in my side, you know? So how, oh, how, yeah. how, how does it physically work on your phone how, for each bottle? What happens is you, when we onboard an account, we take that Excel sheet, right? Yeah. And we automatically upload that into BevSpot. Right. So then when you log in for the first time, we know what all of your products are. So then what you can do is you can create custom locations yeah. across your establishment. So you right. can have well one, well two, back bar, front okay, bar. Okay, that's what I wanted uh, to know. <laughs> yeah, and then you can move all of your product into those locations so that when you go there and you stand in front of you know your back bar and you're counting your scotches, um, we know exactly what's there. Yeah. And you're walking down a line, typing in your quantities or sliding the, the, the appropriate size. And we have really sophisticated computer scripts that are tracking your order. And we're ordering all of your product in a row for you in our system. Mm -hmm. So now you're walking around. You could have multiple people using the same, you know, using their own devices, typing in inventories for the storage room and the front bar, all that's totaling up into our system. Mm -hmm. So we're cutting down on the time it takes to do the count. Yeah. And then when you're done with an inventory count, you're able to auto-generate orders solely for what you need right. at your establishment, right? Based on par levels. So we'll automatically generate an order for you and you can one click send that order out to all of your distributor vendors. Right. So just to slow down a little bit, uh, so we can we can have each bartender at each location doing inventory for just their bar and that's all going to come together in the end for the manager, yeah? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So then you can log into one place and see, I've got three in front and two in the storage room. You know, I've got five all day, the total establishment. Um, and you can see that across every single product that you have, mm -hmm. right? Across every bar and every product you have. But not only can you see exactly how many bottles you have in inventory, you can see exactly how many you've gone through since your last inventory. Right. So I can see which wines are moving fastest. I can actually start to see analytics on which products are moving fastest, which products are not moving fastest. Where do I I have uh, product growth or loss, mm -hmm. right? So where am I, you know, not selling product for profit, but rather losing opportunities to sell product? And that's based on a, a specific location. So you might have an outside bar that's, you know, killing it on one product and they've got a lot of beer, you know, yeah. whatever, imported beers, not selling outside or whatever. That's exactly right. So, you know, for you as a, let's say a program manager across multiple locations, you can log into BevSpot on your iPad by going to your internet browser and logging into web, uh, BevSpot. And you can see how each one of those individual bars is performing. Right. So you can see you know, inventory, total sitting inventory, usage, sales, poor cost, and variance mm -hmm. across each one. And then you can say, oh, wow, the poor cost is a little bit worse in the outside bar than it is in the inside bar. You can click in and see, oh, wow, it's draft beer mm -hmm. that I'm running a 35% poor cost 
compared to everything else. You can <laughs> that click would be in a big red see, flag if you're uh, running yeah. 35% pour cost on draft beer. Brutal, right? Yeah, but then you can click in and say, you know, why is that? And it's maybe it's one product where, you know what, maybe a product was incorrectly checked in or a case went missing yeah, or a case right. got broken or something and say, oh, wow, that's what screwed up my whole Yeah, my that, whole that's what up. happens a lot when you're doing inventory. All of a sudden you see this is a red flag. There's so- something like you can tell right away there's something wrong over here <laughs> exactly exactly and you know that type of stuff is what's so critical but when you got 700 products and you got thousands of bottles across wine spirits and beer programs we work some great programs with extensive wine lists and all of these things mm. you know it's difficult to find that issue yeah. unless there's a, a way to click and see the actual underlying information right and that's really what we try to do we try to take all these complicated traditionally pen and paper or excel um, data structures and we put them into our application where you can on your ipad from home on your day off, click in and see exactly what's generating your pour cost, exactly what product you're losing based on sales reports and your POS system, and kind of access this information in a more seamless way. Well, Rory and I spoke for quite a while, and there's more to that interview. Maybe I'll play you some more clips next week, but I encourage you to check out BevSpot.com and book a demo. The demos are done online with a screen share and, and video demo, or video chat, I should say. And uh, so, yeah, check that out. There's also some free resources on BevSpot.com on their resource page, and uh, there's an online drink pricing and costing tool and a couple of PDFs, running a more profitable bar, and guide to bar management PDFs, so you can download those for free on bevspot.com. All right, let's get to our cocktail of the week, and it's Eric Castro's Great Kentucky Buck. It's two ounces of bourbon, three quarters an ounce of lemon juice, fresh lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of ginger syrup, one muddled strawberry, and two dashes of Angostura bitters. You're going to shake that up, pour it into a, uh, shake it up and strain it into a uh, Collins glass with fresh ice, and top it with a little club soda and a lemon wheel and that's a delicious drink uh, not hard to make and uh, that's what I love about Eric's drinks they're they're fairly simple they're delicious they're fresh and uh, you can make that in any bar you know it's it's not any crazy ingredients that are uh, hard to find all right so we're gonna talk to Eric Castro in just a minute but first we'll do a book of the week it's the birth of bourbon a photographic tour of early distilleries by Carol Peachtree and uh, it's a great book it's more about the uh, photographs. She went around Kentucky and photographed all these old distilleries. Some of them are, that are not in operation anymore, and uh, they're you know some of them are like ruins. You know, I find that stuff fascinating, and the, the pictures are just gorgeous. It's a photographic technique called high dynamic range imaging. It uses a process that produces rich saturation, intensity, clarified details, and a full spectrum of light. So the uh, the, the photographs are beautiful. Uh, I think you'll find this book really interesting to look through or give us a gift or uh, or leave it on your bar for to uh, inspire conversation, you know? I think that's a cool idea. You don't see that at many bars. Have books around that, uh, that are conversation starters, you know? All right, it's time. Let's talk to the mighty Eric Castro. Hello, my friend. Eric, how are you? Another day in paradise, brother. No complaints, man. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah, no worries, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, are you at the bar now? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm just, I just got out of a meeting with, at, the, at Polite, so now I'm um, just at the home office catching up on some stuff, man. All right, cool. Well, what's uh, what's the story with the movie? I hadn't heard anything about that. Yeah, so so the whole idea with uh, Bartender at Large is uh, we filmed a documentary kind of traveling across the whole western U.S. and talking to bartenders. And the idea being that I feel like the, the craft cocktail has taken off. 
across the entire country now. It's no longer just a phenomenon that's kind of confined to like, you know, San Francisco, New York. So because of that, we decided, um, hey, let's go find out what's actually happening with the craft cocktail, you know, in in all these places that people kind of overlook too often. Uh We, we, we got, we loaded up a car with camera equipment, whatever, and we kind of just went and bartended and hung out in everywhere from, you know, uh, Tucson, Arizona to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and just got to hang out with bartenders and hear a story that we don't get to hear all the time. That's awesome. So are we going to call it, (laughs) I'm sure you get this question a lot. Is it, is it, Hey, bartender part two or totally different? No, actually not at all. Um, no, it's actually, it, I, it couldn't be further from Hey, bartender. Yeah. I, mean, uh-huh. I love Hey, bartender. It's a great movie, but, but this is kind of just more about kind of, kind of hearing the story that we don't always get a chance to hear. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, um, I, I, you know, lived in San Francisco for a long time and even bartender in New York for a while. And I love both those places, fascinating cities, amazing culture. But I feel like the, the success of the cocktail, it, it's permeated across the entire country. It's yeah. no longer just something that that's only confined to people that live on the coast. Yeah, it's a great thing. But did, did you really find it everywhere? Because I mean, I'm, I'm just just outside New York City and, and it hasn't really, surprisingly, it hasn't permeated as much as you might think being, you know, as close to the New York City well, as we are. Know, from what I found actually from experience, I think it's even harder probably when you're in a big, in a cocktail mecca or mm. near a cocktail mecca like New York, because what happens there is once you get really talented, yeah. you would just end up moving to New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but 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 what's what's difficult is um or, or for for people who don't want to move to a big city. Like I mean, for instance, I, I can think of just one place off the top of my head is the Modern Hotel in Boise. Okay. I've had cocktails there that were just as good as anything I've ever had in London or New York or San Francisco or anything. Cool. And and, and you know, you kind of think like, "Hey man, you guys are really good." Like in, in my mind I think, "How come you guys haven't moved to, you know, to LA or something and they're kind of just like man we love Boise yeah like there's <laughs> why would I do that like, <laughs> it, we love the outdoors and you know we go out mountain biking three nights or three days a week and there's just great hiking and great mountain biking and everything around here you're like look okay cool I get it yeah there are people who, they don't they don't want to live in a big city you know they want to just they love their craft and they love taking care of customers and they love making great drinks and and that's what they do and trust me man I had some phenomenal cocktails in places you would never believe mm, that's and cool. I mean I was talking to somebody in Texas recently they were telling me Plano, Texas has three craft cocktail bars. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, um, I, I grew up in Riverside County, you know, which is kind of pegged between LA and Palm Springs. Okay. And, you know, the guys from Death and Company, Alex Day and Dave Kaplan, did a phenomenal bar in the heart of Riverside County in Riverside. And, and it's amazing. You would never guess. But the thing is, the clientele rallies and the bartenders are just really proud of what they do and love making great drinks. It really is kind of addictive once you get into this world of like craft cocktails. You know, you, you just want to learn more and more and, and people get really uh, just obsessed with it, you know, and it's it's interesting. I never really put much thought to why that is, you know. Yeah, you know, I think it's just people, I mean, anything we're doing is worth doing well, you know. Yeah. And, and I think there's just a lot of people who, you know, they're, they're just committed to making great drinks. Yeah. Well, you you make some great drinks. The, the first time I ever uh, encountered you was at Manhattan Cocktail Classic. It must have been 2013. And yeah. uh, when you start going to a lot of these events, you drink a lot of cocktails. And uh, for one to stick out in your mind, you know, after three years, you know, it must have been good. You remember that? It was a, it was a, I forget which rum brand sponsored it, but you made a drink with rum and Amaro and I forget what else, but it was awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I'm really glad you like it. I'm trying to think of what it is now. I, remember, I think it had rum and, and another, and, and another bitter uh, of some sort because i remember you joking you know it's it's got you know three different types of bitters in it so it's not a bartender's drink at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have to go through my notes and figure out what exactly 
I'm trying to remember what the seminar. I remember the drink, but I don't. I don't. I forget what the seminar was about now. You know, it slips my mind, man. Sometimes I go through my old notes and find a drink, and I'm like, "Hey, man, that was really good. I, I like that drink. How come I never put that? I never did anything else with that." Yeah, yeah. Well, I told you this story about when I was running a bar program uh, up here, just outside the city, and uh, we had the Brave Companion on the on the menu, and that was a big hit. And I and I oh, credit. Thank cred- you, my I, man. I credit you, of course. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm really proud of that cocktail, man. Because um, uh, a funny story I can tell you about that drink too that I can that I can um, share now is <laughs> that, that drink I was I actually made by accident. <laughs> um, like like normally, you know, when you're working on a cocktail, it'll take you know it could take you you know six, seven, eight renditions, right? If you're lucky, you hit it like three or four right. before you're happy with that drink. And then that drink I nailed it my first time. <laughs> and the reason why is because, um, you know, Marie Brizard, all their bottles look alike. Right. So I was thinking like, hey, you know, it would be really cool is if I do um, kind of try to do like a, maybe a play on a Mai Tai-ish, um, you know, j- just basic ratios, not necessarily the flavor. So I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do vanilla syrup, bourbon, lemon, and orange curacao. <laughs> so it's like, a you know, vanilla, orange, orange twist type flavor with the bourbon. Yeah. And, and I ended up grabbing a ball of creme de cacao by accident. <laughs> That's so funny. Because it looked identical. And then right. I, I took a sip of the drink. It was like, oh, man, this is wonderful. <laughs> really really good. And, and, and it was so funny. And then I looked. I was like, wait, but this is completely different. And then I looked at the bottle I grabbed. And I was like, well, this is what we call a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if anybody from the food press asks me about it, I'll just I'll give them some crazy quote on how, like, how I was inspired by chocolate and vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know the real story now. Your drinks are great. They're very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Accessible, I guess. They're, you know, it seems like they could be made just about in any bar in America and you don't need any crazy ingredients, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, I, The thing I, I dig is what I always try to do is I try to keep it simple. You yeah. know, it's like, I guess when like a sculptor is, you know, crafting a sculpture, what they're doing is they're tra- they're chopping off all the non-essential. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing that with a drink, you know, I always try to get rid of eliminating anything that doesn't have to be there. Oh, that's a good way to think about it. You know, it, it needs to be like as clean as, as, as possible, to, you know, to kind of reach, you know, this like this peak version of itself. Mm. So I, I always kind of just I, I try to stay away from adding too many greens because what happens is I feel like people start adding and adding and adding more greens and you can't even tell what the base spirit is anymore. Right. right. I always want to make sure if I'm making a bourbon cocktail, the, the star of the show is always the bourbon. Right. Always believe in showcasing the spirit. Yeah, and but it's it's nice too that it's you know just you can make it in any bar. I mean, I you know I have stacks and stacks of books behind me here, and I'm like, I, there's several of them. Like, I'll never make any one of these drinks. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's like you know the, the, there there's there'll be a drink in there, where, and I, you need three different cognacs to make it. Yeah. You're and, like, I'm sorry, I've and, never. And three done different house-made, you know, ingredients too. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I've even seen a cocktail recipe in one of those books that was like it was two pages long, <laughs> just packed with text. Like, this is how you make the foam, and then this is how you make the syrup, and it's just like each one of these is like, you know, it would cost me about two hundred dollars just to recreate that cocktail. Right. Yeah. God, come on, I'm making this at my house for crying out loud. <laughs> no. I love the Kentucky Buck. That's a great drink. Oh, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, that's another one. I tried to just keep it as simple as possible. I, I always want to make sure that, like, I was kind of um, influenced at a young age by like, a lot of, like, you know, kind of Buddhist philosophy and approaches to form of keeping everything really clean. Mm-hmm. I, I've never really got, gotten into this. And, you know, even reading, like, old Bruce Lee books where he's just, like, everything should be should be direct and, like, kind of, uh, you know, I guess the highest form of itself. Mm. So I always make sure I chop off the non-essential because what happens is, like, I feel a lot of times, you know, someone will make give you a cocktail and it's balanced and it's delicious and it's easy to drink. But the thing is, it's like if I switched this cognac for rum, would anyone even notice? Right. If I switched it for to bourbon or to rye, it's like 
there's so much going on in the drink that the base spirit is completely lost. Yeah, I, I liked what you were saying earlier, uh, relating it to a sculpture. You, you know that quote from uh, Michelangelo where somebody asked, how could you possibly make this amazing sculpture, David, out of a piece of rock? And he said, you just chip away everything that's not David. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's genius, man. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. That's a really good way of putting it. I didn't think about that. I'm, I'm, I'm using that when I do my trainings yeah. for now on. You know? It's a great quote. So, uh, Bartender at Large, web series, podcast, and upcoming movie. Is this your own production company? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize I own a production company until <laughs> after the movie. But, yeah. Um, yeah, by, by, by coincidence. And in the meantime, we wanted to make sure that we love the format of just being able to sit in a round table and, like, you know, it's kind of like Sports Center for Bartenders. Mm. The buildup for the movie, we're doing an online series as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a video series online, also available as podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. And the Bartender at Large um, series. So people can kind of tune in, go to bartenderatlarge.com, and then just watch episodes of, you know, people just sitting around, bartenders and drinking whiskey and shooting the shit. Nice. <laughs> and then the, the Follow the Leader series too i I wasn't aware of that until uh i got your email the other day oh yeah the fall of leader series and we're actually supposed to do a second season of that we just haven't gone around to it but yeah that was really fun uh we i really dug that we did that with the the guys from kind of funny we just we made some cocktails but i kind of feel like we tried to do it in a way that wasn't so serious because i feel like some of the cocktail videos are so just you know so tight you know sometimes it's just like just give me the recipe dude i don't don't need to watch this for 10 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah and what we try to do is like hey well why don't this is how you make a uh, you know, Jameson milkshake with Oreos. <laughs> you know, like we wanted to give people like we wanted to give people fun stuff and not necessarily, you know, kind of really uptight drinks. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned um, foam before, and I, that's something I, I've just uh, I've been trying to wrap my head around is egg whites and cocktails. And there's a lot of different philosophies about it. Um, I asked Jeffrey Morgenthaler about it, and he he actually whips the egg white a bit before adding it to the shaker. So uh, that, I thought that was interesting. But there's a lot, you know, and then I heard the other day, if you're doing an egg white cocktail, make sure you're, you're doing a um, lemon twist at the end. You're putting some lemon oil in there at the end. So uh, what, what's, what's your philosophy on egg whites and cocktails? I mean, I, I, I love them in regards to, um, you know, it, you can get that froth, yeah. you know. But I'm still a big advocate of just dry shaking, you know. I, I think getting a... Um, Get, getting something, you're, you're making sure that, that your egg whites properly frothed up. It's just you're always going to end up with a better drink, you know? Yeah. You know, there have been times I've sat around with bartenders, we've kind of decided, like, do you even really have to dry shake, you know, when yeah. you're using draft, with, especially with cold draft, because the cubes are so big, you're going to whip it anyway. Right. We, we found that the difference is almost negligible, you know, but still, it's like, it makes it, it makes it that much better. Even if it's just another 10, 15% frothier, that, that's worth it to us. Yeah. That is assuming you don't get it all over yourself in the process because <laughs> the shaker doesn't seem to seal right with when it's not cold. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you want to do is you want to make sure that it's instead of like sealing them, like the way you would normally shake. Yeah. You know, so it cr- forms a crescent. Yeah. You want the tin. Actually, I learned this from Morgenthal. You want to put the tin in straight. Right. Put the little one straight into the big one. Right. You know, where you shake it like that, but it, it looks, I guess, more like a capsule as opposed to like a boomerang shape. Yeah, I finally figured that out, or not figured it out. I learned it probably from Morgenthaler also, but I was like, oh, why didn't, why didn't I think of that, you know, the 20 times I made a mess. <laughs> you end up like having to wrap a towel around it. You're like, <laughs> especially if you have tins from like two different companies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It could be a pain in the ass, man. It makes a mess. So, uh, how about I like? I always like to ask uh, people how they if they utilize salt in their cocktails much. Oh yeah, oh man, I I, lo- I love salt. Yeah, me too. Even if it's just a pinch, man. And it's funny because I was hearing somebody talking recently about like, oh man, I kind of started the whole salt salt craze. And I was like, are you kidding me? Have you ever heard of a margarita? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You ever heard of a margarita? It's a kind of popular drink, yeah. salt rim. But yeah, we have one cocktail on the menu at Polite right now. 
It was actually on the menu over the summer at Boilermaker as well. It's um, it's a twist on a south side. Right. So all it is, it's a lime south side, you know, um, gin, sugar, mint, lime. And then we just add a dash of celery bitters and a pinch of sea salt. Mm, sounds good. And that's served up, right? Yeah, served up. Yeah. And, you know, garnished with a mint leaf. And there's something about this the savory quality. It kind of gives it this almost like, I don't want to say seaweed, but it gives it this really herbaceous flavor that kind of just um, kind of really plays off well of, off of the mint. And the botanicals and the gin. Right, right. That's cool. It's one of our most popular cocktails, so. Mm, sounds good. Well, uh, do you uh, judge any competitions or have you uh, entered competitions? Because uh, that's something uh, I'm trying to explore more with World Class coming up. And now Woodford Reserve just uh, announced something. So uh, I'm, I'm going to personally enter the competitions and uh, I'm encouraging my listeners to as well. you have any uh, advice or uh, insight? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I haven't really entered too many competitions. Um because I find as a position of man, as being a bar manager, I always get like, I feel like sometimes it can compromise things. Though, um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. I, I think a lot of them are actually really cool and, and they're a good way to kind of showcase your bar and showcase what you're about. Right. But as far as, um, as far as judging, yeah, I've judged a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I've judged a whole bunch of them. I, um, and, and I try to be, you know, I kind of feel as from the perspective as, you know, a bar owner and a bartender, I kind of feel like it gives me a more unique perspective where it's like, I kind of look at it from a more, what's the way to put it? I'm a little more critical than sometimes I feel the other judges where some of the other judges are like, oh, this drink's great. And then mm-hmm. from my perspective is a little more like, um, what's the cost on this cocktail? How long is it going to take right. to service? Um, <laughs> you know, is the glassware unique to this drink or would this be allowed to be served in a regular coupe? Blah, blah, blah. Because to me, I look at almost more of like, I, I love the creativity. Yeah. That's always, that's always a factor. But the thing is, it comes down to the guest and, you know, can you actually put this in a guest hand? Yeah, that might be cool if there was a contest where you had to consider the pour cost and how long it took to make and other real world um, factors. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems to me when entering these contests, uh, simplicity, I, I think, is a, is a good angle because, you know, I, I think the brands are looking for stuff that can be easily reproduced. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes you have a cocktail that, that's delicious in one of these events and, you know, it has – like we were saying, the process to make it is so gratuitous that there's no way you could actually ever serve these in a proper bar. Right. <laughs> One guy, um, and this is actually a really cool concept, and I think it, I think it's actually worked really neat for this competition. But a, a friend of ours, like he had um, a hot plate, and then he grilled citrus on the hot plate, you know, and then he used the grilled citrus and then he squeezed it to make the cocktail. Yeah, I've done cocktails with grilled citrus at home uh, before and uh, it's delicious and it looks cool. Which was, oh, don't get it wrong, the presentation was beautiful. Yeah. And everyone, all the judges thought it was really cool, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, could you ever make this in a bar? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not unless you told your customers flat out, like, hey guys, just to let you know, this drink is going to take a really long time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it seems like the reason the, the, uh, brands are doing these events or, or the, the competitions is so that it, you know to make you know they, they want these drinks in bars they want bartenders making them yeah exactly all around the country i think one thing that people lose sight of and sometimes we think of like oh you know this cocktail competition it, it, it has to be great because they want to showcase bartenders you're like okay back it up a little bit what's really happening is it this is being paid for by the marketing company you know right. by the marketing branch so this is to market their product yep you know it's great if you can get a trip you know or a cool grand prize, but let's not forget that this is to market their products. So yeah, so keep that in mind when you're entering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I've sat in on some of these meetings with you know some of the liquor brands where they're getting advice from me on how to do the competition, and that's front of mind is how do we how do we market this? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it's it's exciting. I mean, you can get you. It's a nice situation whenever you can get like the the needs of the bartender and the needs of the brand in alignment with each other. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's great for bartenders because it, I mean, it really 
you really need to elevate your game when you get into it. I just went to the Diageo world-class lab. You know about that? No. Uh, Diageo is traveling around the country and doing these uh, hands-on seminars all day long. You know, it's a full-day event. And uh, it's actually required that you attend one of these uh, before you enter world-class, the world-class competition. And and you could do it online if you wanted to. But but the, the full-day lab was awesome. And it was, you know, it was hands-on. They, they had full fully stocked bars, 10 of them set up for us. So it was It was great. But uh, I forget my point now, but <laughs> oh, just, just that, uh, you know, it was it, the whole thing was to get you ready for the competition. And, uh, you know, you had to present in front of the judges and the, and the whole deal, you know, um, and it was nerve wracking. It was the first time I'd ever done it, you know, and it wasn't even real. You know, it was it was it was training. It was a test and it was uh, it's a skill that needs to be developed on itself. But but it also, I think, uh, really helps you uh, in your day to day bartending, you know, because you're, you're presenting guests with drinks all day long. No, that is a really good point. And I think that it's one thing that people overlook too often when they're in a cocktail competition is they're like, oh, my drink's the best one. It's going to win. Yeah. My drink is so good and so complex. But then they end up losing to somebody who kind of just had this whole rehearsal down and, and had like, you know, they're, they're making a cocktail that's kind of Caribbean, you know, um, inspired. So this person will come in and get like a completely authentic vintage pirate costume, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then give everyone in the crowd eye patches and then they'll play like yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum as they give the presentation to their drink, which the drink may or may not have been the best one there. But then when that person wins, you know, that, yeah. that it, it's just, it's what happened. You know, yeah. and the thing was that their presentation, their attention to detail just kind of blew everybody away. Yeah. Well, you have to start that. Even even with the online submission, you got to start, you know, you, usually you have to write several paragraphs about your drink. So you're, you're starting the story of the drink right there, you know? Yeah. You don't even have the chance to dress up in a pirate costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah t- to me, that's really cool. And that, and that, can, that can be really interesting. And, and some people nail it, you know? If you nail it, you nail it. Yeah, yeah. But it's a skill that needs to be developed and, and practiced. And uh, you're probably not going to nail it that very first time but um going to these uh these events is something uh is really opens your eyes you know i mean i went to tales of cocktail for the first time three years ago and, and you know never looked back you know it changed my life really oh that's really cool yeah yeah tales <laughs> is a blast man you know especially i kind of felt especially in the early days of like the craft cocktail you know renaissance maybe not that early but early to a lot of us is it kind of reminded us that hey look i'm not the only weirdo that's into this stuff right <laughs> It kind of validated you and made you not feel so lonesome. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, a lot of my uh, listeners are, are um, aspiring bartenders or, or barbacks just getting into it. Do you have any advice you would offer uh, young young bartenders or, or aspiring bartenders? Well, just be humble, man. Yeah, I would say be humble and understand that you are never going to know everything there is to know yeah. about about bartending. Like I feel I've been at this maybe 13 years now, mm-hmm. and I feel that the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And, but, you know, but never never give up on learning. You know, you, you just got to yeah. keep, keep at it. Yeah, it's all it's a continued process, man. It, it's like the, the more you read about, you know, say bourbon or tequila, the more questions it, it answers, it, the more questions it raises and it answers. And, and that to me is the beauty of it. Like, I love knowing that I'm never going to know everything there is to know about bartending. Right. That, that's where the mystery lies. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Also, and one thing, um, sh- shameless plug. Um, check out uh, bartenderatlarge.com mm-hmm. for um, more info on uh, the online series and the film that comes out in September tw- uh, summer 2016. Very cool. It's going to be on big screens, huh? Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So woo, we'll see. Well, Eric, man. 
best of luck with Bartender at Large, and uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to run into you again at, uh, at Tales, if not before, and uh, it was a real honor speaking with you today. Absolute pleasure, my friend. Uh, thank you for having me. And also, um, my, my handle, at Hungry Bartender, on both Instagram and Twitter, if anyone wants to stay tuned. Cool, man. Cheers, dude. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. Great conversation there. Eric's an awesome dude. Follow him on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, Hungry Bartender on Twitter and on Instagram. Stand by for our toast. We do a toast every week at the end of the show. But first, I want to tell you again about BevSpot. We're so happy to have them as sponsors, and I think you're going to find their software is amazing, and it's going to really help you out with uh, inventory ordering and uh, all kinds of other bar management tasks. So uh, go over to BevSpot.com and request a demo. Hey, my name's Brian Vincent Weber. Feel free to email me for any reason at all. I'd love to hear from you. It's brian at bartenderjourney.net. The website is bartenderjourney.net, and I've been uh, working on expanding that a little bit. There's an events page, competitions page. There's a new tastings page where I put my thoughts or uh, reviews of some some spirits. Uh, that, that's still, uh, there's not too many up there yet, but uh, that's uh, something I need to get to. That's a good task to uh, to have, right? I've got to taste some more liquor and put my thoughts up on the, on the website. So I'll get to that as soon as I can. Hey, I booked a trip to uh, Vegas for the nightclub and bar show, so I'm excited about that. And uh, I'm looking forward to telling you all about that. I went in 2013, so it's been three years since I've been. And uh, I'll be reporting to you on that. It's in early March. I hope you're subscribed to the show. If not, uh, or if you have any questions about how to do that or you need a little help, on bartenderjourney.net, there's a new subscribe page. And so there's different ways to do it. And whether you're on Android or, or uh, Apple or uh, you just want to listen on your web browser, uh, there's different ways to do it. But uh, anyway, I hope you subscribe. You can go, uh, the easiest way to do it is go on your phone, go to the podcast app if you have, if you have an iPhone, and uh, search for Bartender journey and hit subscribe and then boom every time there's a new show it gets delivered right to your phone and you'll also be able to browse through all the archived episodes there there's lots more exciting stuff coming up on the bartender journey podcast so i don't want to i don't want you to miss any on twitter i'm barkeep tips and on uh, facebook you can search for bartender journey once again thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it i'd love to hear from you by uh, one of the methods i just mentioned or uh on also on bartenderjourney.net there's a posting for each show and at the bottom of the post there's a place to leave comments so that, that's another place to uh to start a conversation there all right here's our toast this is a quote from Charles Henry Baker Jr.'s 1935 book, The Gentleman's Companion. It wasn't written as a toast, but I think it works. Here it is. Each of our experiences that fetches joyous memory of some friend, place, or adventure is flaked with happy memory of a frosted glass, a smile, and a sip of something perfect. Here's to us. Cheers. We'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. Bartender Journey.